Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Miss Fisher Files. I'm Mary. And I'm Chandler. And today we're talking about Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, Season 1, Episode 4, Death at Victoria Dock. So, I have a small confession to make about this episode. <laughs> okay. Um, I kind of avoid watching it, and I... for. I couldn't figure it out for a long time. We kind of do too, my husband and I. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I think it, my husband gave up on this one. I don't think he saw the whole thing. <laughs> really? I think, I oh think my he goodness. quit after like the first 20 minutes. Oh, Which he has wow. not done for any of the right. others. Yeah. yeah. That's hard to believe. But yeah. but yeah, I couldn't, I was trying to figure out what it was about this episode that made me just kind of back away and be like, eh, maybe I'll skip to the next mm. one. And I finally figured it out. It's just, it's not fun. That's... It lacks it's humor. It's true. It's pretty grave. It is. It's pretty I mean, grim. The, the intro is this young woman being led somewhere. You don't know what's going on. It's but it defi- ain't good. No, it ain't, it ain't good. <laughs> and it's definitely grim. And then you have uh, Phryne holding this dying man in her arms. and With an anarchy tattoo. Right. Yeah. And normally... She hasn't been affected by death and murder. I mean, I guess yeah. we haven't seen her actually be there at somebody's dying breath. But but they, they take it back to the war. They do a whole flashback with the yeah, war. Yeah, I kind so, of noted that. That's like the first time we see that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I actually don't know that we ever see a flashback to war ever again. I think this is the only one. I think there's a... <sighs> oh, wait, no. I think there's a little um, bit... Death Comes Knocking. And I th- but it's not what's her the one, experience. The one with the, um, the the scary French ex-lover. I feel like there's oh, an allusion murder to the war. Montparnasse. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. The post-war. Yeah. But mostly pr- previously to this, she's been making kind of flippant allusions to you know I haven't taken anything seriously since mm-hmm. 1918. But yeah, this is the first time we actually see something that yes, she was in the war, and there's a lot. They show a lot. Like yeah. you can glean a lot from that one small scene it's like a very she's small clearly scene, a red but... cross nurse or you know candy stripe probably a nurse she's probably a triage nurse like mm-hmm. so many people were at the time and saw a lot of death and dying and these women had to hold a lot of men's hands while they died right, right there and yeah and she in this episode isn't just sort of glossing over it she's really affected by it yeah and which is a little odd because we don't know anything about this guy he's not really any different than anyone else who has died so far she's affected by how young he is and mentions that once or twice and he's trying to get a a message tell her tell her right i think also there's something to there's i really noted the costumes in this one um she there's a lot of white Mm -hmm. she's wearing white fur that has blood on it i know and I mean, I'm thinking, oh, that gorgeous fur. <laughs> I know it's hard to watch know, it get all bloody. I know. Anybody who's with PETA is getting out the red paint right now. But you know, yeah, people wore fur then, and she's wearing this white fur and this white hat and these white everything and trousers, white and coat, blouse. Yeah. Um, and then it cuts to her wearing a white nurse's uniform mm. that is covered in blood. Oh, interesting. As well. I feel like there's some connection there. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. So you have the flashback to the war, which is very grim, and then, and then you have the Latvian anarchists, and there's just no humor there. No. Like, they are very serious about their cause. We do have hot Latvians, though. Yes, we have hot Latvians. I mean, if we're going to have Latvians, Thank we goodness. have hot ones. Right. We need something good in this episode, but... Um, if there's a hot one anywhere, Miss Fisher will find her. You can count it's on that. true. <laughs> 
then we have this terrifying scene, and we'll talk about it later, I'm mm. sure, but... I call it the every woman's worst fear scene. Is this him in her bedroom? Yes. Yeah, what's up with that? Right? So that's in there Why too. Why don't you stalk me in my bedroom and then we'll have sex? Yep. Right. <laughs> it kind of broke the feminist It, line it of really the show bothers a bit. me. Like it really left a, a bad taste after this episode. So, I mean, there are many, many reasons that I don't really care for this one and I just sort of decide not to watch it. I bet if it wasn't one of the hot Latvians in her room, she would have, you know. Oh, she would have pulled a gun. Out of yeah. 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 <laughs> he was very lucky that he was good looking. Yeah, he's, you know, she has had, in the course of this show, she gets several intruders in her bedroom. I think this yeah. might be the only one she sleeps with, though. I think you're right. To be fair, would, would if you had a hot Latvian in your room, what would you do? <laughs> I would probably kick him out. Yeah. Well, if he did that, yeah. came up behind no. me and clamped his hand yeah, over my yeah, mouth. no. Knee to the groin. Yeah, yep. I think so. I um, think you're right. Oh, and then there's just, there's no fun banter between Franny and Jack in this one. And I realized that's, I think that's probably the main thing this one lacks. And that's why I don't want to watch it. Jack is really stern in this one. He is. Jack is, Jack is get out of my business uh-huh. in this one. And she actually does it. She actually says, okay. I mean. She goes, she kind of sidles up she, through Hugh. Right. Poor gullible <laughs> Simple Hugh. Yep. But we she laugh. acquiesces to his request that she stay out of it, and that's really unusual. So it just, I don't know, there's no fun there. Yeah. Kind of kills it for right. me. And then, you know, it's an, it's an important topic, I guess, but, oh man, the struggles of the proletariat and the... And the the communists and the socialists and the anarchists and 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 it was that was an important topic of the day. I mean, mm-hmm. there in the nineteen teens and nineteen twenties, all over the world, it wasn't just the Bolshevik re- Revolution in Russia, but uh, you know, in the U.S., there were Im- there were struggles of of these workers working in inhumane conditions in the mm-hmm. factories. There was a bread and roses textile strike in Massachusetts in 1912. There were, you know, the, there were all kinds of these struggles and a lot of them were with immigrant populations. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, the Italians, a lot of them had socialist and anarchist leaning. And so th- this stuff was happening, but man, it is grim stuff. <laughs> they um, are not a humorous bunch. No. No joking no, with the anarchists. They take things very seriously. There's no like anarchist cocktail pot parties with like <laughs> bad anarchist puns. Like they're just no. Yeah, they're just everything is so earnest and grim in this episode yep. that I it it just sort of kills it for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, and you know I everything's really muted in this too. Like mm-hmm. even in terms of the design and even the costumes, like she's not she wears her signature red lipstick. There's mm-hmm. there's some deep burgundy reds happening but there's a lot of muted color schemes that i think matches the tone of it and there's i actually did a screen grab of this because it's so beautiful that there's this shot of jack jack and hugh are looking for evidence and alone Mm -hmm. and there's this shot of jack leaning up against it's the bit where hugh is like the a could stand for that's my favorite quote of this entire episode he just goes on and on i love hugh Hugh. so really actually hugh comes out pretty shining yeah Yeah. in this episode and he's the hero yeah go go hugh but there's this great shot where um 
Jack is leaning up against this clabbered wall. Mm -hmm. And the clabbered wall is this, Naples yellow is the color. Like you could go to a paint store and buy it in a little tube of oil paint. Naples yellow. you know the paint colors. It's my favorite color. I used to oil paint with it all the time. Um, But he's all in gray and he, grays and browns. And he's in the, the walls around him are, are are gray and this kind of Naples yellow color. And then you see this pop of dark blue on his Hmm. tie. And navy blue never is a bright color. Like it never seems like a bright color, but up against that color scheme of the, yeah. So I actually paused it and took a screen grab of it because it was so beautiful. But that whole episode is so muted like that. It's, and the, I don't know, the convent and the, yeah. It's just all really dark. It's pretty good. And a, a little girl in an insane as- asylum. Yeah, with a very messed up family. Because she's seeing a Virgin Mary icon crying. Like, that's messed up. Because her stepmother fixed it. Yeah, it's... Her stepmother who's pregnant, pregnant by, her by her brother. Yeah. That's... Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Happy times. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of all bad and icky and grim. I really do love when she's in all white at the beginning and she's got the blood on her hands and she's having Hugh shield her as she removes her blouse. I don't understand like why when you're covered, your hands are still covered in blood. She has to get rid of the blouse. Like she just has this need. It seems like to get the blouse off of her, but then she wraps the bloody fur back around her and I don't get it, but and it's but it is really fun to watch Hugh's face because yeah. he is totally scandalized. I'm I'm happy for any chance to scandalize Hugh. There will be many more to come. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's always good. He oh, is he the is king of facial expressions. Always good value. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of costumes, there there's a scene. There's this kind of quintessential 1920s moment where. Um, I think it's a hideous outfit, personally, but it is quintessential 1920s when they are, Dot and Phryne are walking through the hallway of the convent, having just met with the Mother Superior, Mm -hmm. and Dot is wearing, I actually did a little doodle of it on my notes here, she's wearing this coat that has these massive lapels and buttons around her waist, and then the coat is so straight that she has no curves whatsoever. And Dot is buxom, so mm-hmm. it makes her look kind of refrigerator shaped. Right. Like it's a little, it's kind of unflattering. But that was the 1920s silhouette. No yeah. curves, no breasts, no hips. Straight, 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 yep. straight, straight, straight. So the flapper I, style. Yeah. And it doesn't, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't work on a, a full figure. No. It didn't. I and couldn't wear that. It didn't work on her. Like, right. I have a similar figure to Dot. I can't, I can't wear that. Yeah. She shouldn't have worn that. <laughs> but it was so 20s. Right, yeah. So it's... 20s. I think we should start a drive-by shooting tally for the show. <laughs> okay. Like, in front of Franny's house. Mm-hmm. How many drive-by shooting attempts have there been in front of her house? Because it's a lot. I feel like she should hire somebody to just stand watch at this point. Yeah. And how, how many times has she, like, dived behind the horse trough? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing that horse trough is there. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, that scene... There, I guess this episode has a lot of scenes where I just like I can't suspend my disbelief far enough. Why were they? Why was she coming out of the house and she runs into Jack and then they get shot at? And did they not notice this car lurking on the other side of the road? Hi, Jack, how are you? I'm fine. Look, a car lurking. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and then bang, 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 bang. Horse trough. They <laughs> do actually. They have a nice little funny banter about yep. her stockings. True, but it's very brief. Yep. And the there stock- is a good line. Where uh, 
Mr. Hot Latvian with the fake name, Mr. Smith. Peter Smith. Peter Smith. Mm-hmm. What is that about? Mm-hmm. Um, he says, these are dangerous questions. And she says, <laughs> my favorite kind. <laughs> That's a good quote. <laughs> oh, okay. Speaking of other tallies. This is going to sound really nerdy, but I can't be the only one. I'm sure there is some Friny Fisher fan somewhere who has noted this. I, I have not counted how many times this has happened, but I, it happens over and over and over again, and I wonder if it's like a running gag at this point. Um, there's all these establishing shots of the house, and so you see the street scene and the horse trough and the fence and everything, and there is very often a woman driving a horse and trap that goes by. Right. And... Usually they use the exact same footage, like it's like the right. same yep. thing. But in this episode, there is it's that same woman from a different angle, so you only see her in silhouette, and she's kind of in close up. And I'm like, it's the woman in the horse and buggy. <laughs> what is with that? <laughs> I guess she's there every day, running yeah, an errand. Maybe she's at a horse and time. buggy commuter. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. Wow. I yeah. That's it just really reminds funny. me of like an establishing shot in mm-hmm. a sitcom, you know, like. Like the Mary Tyler Moore show, they yeah they shot a few establishing shots in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. so you see the same shots over and over and over yep. again throughout the throughout the series. There are they do duplicate a few shots in in Miss Fisher as well throughout the series. I just start noting horse and buggy, horse and buggy, horse and buggy. It's really funny. I didn't realize <laughs> it was the same woman. Now this is this is the episode that has the infamous, you know, we'll find out who wears the trousers. <gasps> I wanted to talk about that too. Okay. Why, don't, why don't you lead off? I'm not sure where to go with well, it. Well, it's just a kind of a funny sight gag, of course, because mm-hmm. you know that there's that famous line, "Who's wearing the trousers?" and then it immediately cuts to Friny walking down the stairs yep. in those in the trousers, sashing trousers, <laughs> and then and then you note their expression, like they're yeah. both obviously thinking the very same thing. And I feel like. It so perfectly just squashes that whole concept. Yeah. With the psychic. Pretty elegantly. I mean, it's yeah. a cliche, but... But it's handled really well. Yeah. It's very brief, and you're like, okay, that's, you know, you can wipe your hands. That's done. Yeah, they could have been so ham-fisted about it mm-hmm. with the whole... I mean, they she could have had endless... I, I think any other show, there would have been endless arguments between her and Jack, you know, but mm-hmm. I can handle it, but you're a woman, but I can handle it, but you're a woman. Here's where I'm going to demonstrate that I'm smarter than you and I figured it out and you're wrong and oh, we're going to do this all again next episode. I mean, most TV shows because the nature of TV would have handled it that way yeah. and they didn't go there and I'm so grateful. I know. That. It's such a relief that they didn't yeah. because we've seen the oh. other so many times. I don't need to and say it- that again. And I think there's I may be reading into this, but I feel like every time a TV show or, or whatever does that, it's kind of reinforcing it a bit. Mm-hmm. It's a little yeah. bit like, but secretly, we really do believe this because you are yep. a woman and you shouldn't be doing this. Right. And I am really tired of that. I am too. Yeah. I There are so many things like that that I'm just done with yeah. and feel like no matter how you're trying to present it, the fact that you are presenting it is bad enough yeah. and we've seen it and we've let's move it, on know, yeah. let's have a completely different take on the situation yeah. and you know yeah it would have been unrealistic if they had never brought it up at all if mm-hmm. they just assumed that in this alternate reality of the 1920s women were completely liberated and could do whatever they wanted like that's not realistic either but i think they handled that really ele- elegantly like yeah. let's have a little sight gag and move on right and mostly he 
we get the impression that like Jack's mad that she's interfering, mm-hmm. but not because she's a woman, but because she's not a cop. Not yeah, and he's also I think afraid for her because he yeah. recognizes these this guys are actually really dangerous. You and can't she's joke a with Latvian anarchists. See right. above, yeah. they're humorless people. <laughs> they are. <laughs> And I think he is genuinely concerned that she's going to get shot by them. Yeah. Um, so I, I am giving him the benefit of the doubt that that is behind his uh, adamant approach yeah. to her sitting this one out. Like, you're not a professional. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. I think not even, like, that she's not a cop. Just she's going to get hurt. He doesn't want to be there to see it. Yeah. So please kindly stand yeah. out of the way. Yeah. And and also, I mean, she has been interfering with his constable mm-hmm. and helping on a, a front that he, he doesn't want, like, trying to, you know, help along Hugh's career by withholding evidence from Jack, giving it to Hugh so that he can oh, pretend Hugh. to have found it. Oh. So that would be annoying, I have to say. Yeah. Like, if you're the boss, that's really annoying. Really annoying. And then she asked for a ride home, and I don't know. That's not a big deal. But I guess with everything else in the episode, you have this real tussle between Jack and Franny for right. establishing who has the power right. and who's... And she, I mean, she is both helping and hindering. Yeah. There is another really great little tiny moment of levity when they find the paint cans and they find out they're Latvian because it says Riga on the mm-hmm. crate. And um, Jack finds the bullets, the World War One issue bullets yeah. in there. And he starts reminiscing about the war. And then you see Hugh actually writing it down. <laughs> like, Okay, a whole row of infantry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you see that long-suffering Jack look. This is like, not just uh, reserved for Franny. Nope, it's not. And Hugh is so green in these first few episodes. Yeah. And it's really fun to see that. Because he too, I mean, we talk a lot about how Dot really comes out of her shell throughout the mm-hmm. whole series. But Hugh does too. Hugh does too. And he gets his, he even says moment in the sun mm-hmm. at the end when he's the hero of the bank. Yep job he gets to go out and talk and, to the papers yep he's like go on even though jack knows it was not him yeah and i have to say not a bad looking guy when he's all under fire yeah <laughs> i know it was fun to see him out of his constable outfit his yeah his uniform innocent constable mm-hmm. yeah with the shiny buttons <laughs> oh Hugh. i don't still i still don't fully understand the very end scene in the bank like whose gun yeah. was given to whom. And there was a lot of hesitating on the part of the Latvians, I have to say. They yeah. were like, shoot, shoot. And the guy's like, uh, and for about 15 seconds. how the hell did they get that giant, like, right. Gatling gun in there? How, like, how did no one notice walking down the street? I mean, they probably had a me, car. Sir, is that a cannon in <laughs> your pocket? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even if they had a car parked right outside the bank, somebody, for the 10 feet it took to get from yeah. the car to the bank, would have seen this it's giant clumsy. piece of metal. Yeah. Yeah. So, and speaking of clumsy, Jane, Jane's going to go get the mail while right. this guy is idling in a scary car right outside the mailbox. Yeah. No, someone's got to get the mail. Well, then it'll be me. I will be the one to go get kidnapped. Watch me get kidnapped. Oh, look, he's kidnapping me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's. Uh, Don't you know if there's a guy idling in a black car outside your house in broad daylight? Don't check the mail. I feel like everybody's reflexes in this episode are just a slow. so slow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with it's you. It's a little painful to watch. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I feel like I'm really, I feel like we're just kind of shooting a bunch of holes in this show. But <laughs> uh, it's a rare, it's a rare thing. It's rare that we have this many 
complaints, but very rare. But you know, I think also going back to kind of a seeing the whole forest kind of thing. These the two really equally grim storylines are so different and unconnected to one another. Yeah. So we have like the struggles of the proletariat, and we have the anarchists and the grim Latvians and their grim tea time at the bar, and and then we have this whole thing with this girl seeing miracles where there aren't any, and I I don't know. They're so they're it, so different, almost random. Yeah. It does feel very random. Yeah. Like they were it's just hanging by a thread, the idea that these two stories would be interconnected at all. And right. it's just through the the guy, the owner of the company. Right. Like the real story is the the Latvians. Like mm-hmm. why couldn't they just focus on that? Like do we really need to see this his poor troubled daughter? Right. Yeah, it it really brings too many things in that are big and clunky and difficult and then it doesn't give them time yeah. and it there's just no reason for it it feels like they're trying to do the same job that they did in episode one with the cocaine mm-hmm. racket um but they did that much more elegantly they like, did they, this, this little family drama unfolds to this whole black market thing right. going on it makes a lot more sense yeah and they're it's like they're trying to do it again here but it's so unconnected that oh yeah here's a little family drama and here's something else that has nothing to do with that right it it feels a lot like the second episode the murder on the ballarat train mm. where they're just trying to throw in too many things and mm-hmm. we had already decided the hypnotist did not need to be yeah, we didn't, yeah yeah that was a whole storyline no that, that just guy. didn't need to happen and we don't we don't need the crying madonna icon i yeah. know they're just things that you could have easily cut out of this and then expanded the others i guess and she gets you know friday gets plenty of opportunities later to get some digs in at some nuns mm-hmm. like yeah she did she get nice little sniping in the hallway to the mother <laughs> superior but we we get better chances of that later right. in the, you know, the Catholic laundry and all of what that. What does she say? Don't induct her once we leave yeah, or well, something. Yeah, when she's unconscious or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. It's fun to see Phryne's disdain for the church versus Dot's, like, complete... Reverence. Yeah. Absolute reverence. And yeah. how they play off of each other. And, and Phryne... it's so, like, it's such a struggle in, in Dot's life that mm-hmm. she has this thing for this Protestant cop. And Phryne's like, what is the big deal? Right. And so anytime they're with, like, a mother superior who's supposed to be treated very reverently... Right. Phryne's like, ugh, you're just another you're just human. A lady in a penguin suit. Yep, yeah. In my way. Yep. <laughs> yep. So it's really fun to see Dot react to that. Like, miss, <laughs> cover your knees. Nice cameo by Aunt P. That's Any true. cameo by Aunt P is going to be great because she's going to be a flustered hen. Mm-hmm. You know, she wah, just wah. right. <laughs> she just sticks her head in the house, clucks a little bit, and oh, leaves. I disapprove, Franny. <laughs> there are reputations at stake here. <laughs> Does she not make an appointment? Sometimes she is just there. Yeah, she just at yeah. random times. And I think yeah, at the beginning, Franny comes home in her bloodstained yep. fur, and there's Aunt P, and she's had with a, a bone to pick. right. And Franny's had a day, yeah. and is not in the mood. We're not doing this now, Aunt right? P. But I feel like Aunt P's people would have called Franny's people to let her know, Mister Butler. <laughs> oh, there's Mister Butler. You are an angel incarnate. Yeah, when he pours her another drink. And so he is. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Just have that drink put in your hands after you had a bad day. I suppose that's what, like, 1950s men got when they came home from work. 
It's like those housewife manuals. Don't tell him about your day. Right. He doesn't want to hear it. No. Nope. Just give Pour him, him a drink so he can become a 1950s alcoholic like everybody was. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, there's a great, there's a couple other really great costumes that I that I noted in this. This, you know, it's funny that this is a much more subtle episode in terms of color scheme and mm-hmm. everything, but the costumes are so lush and beautiful in this one. And um, so one is that crazy Eastern European outfit she wears when she hangs out with Mr. Hot Latvian guy. Um, Is it the black coat with the white flowers? The embroidered collar oh, with the poppies. Yeah. The embroidered uh-huh. red poppies. Yep. Beautiful. Absolutely. And the fur hat is mm-hmm. hilarious. But yes, the coat you're mentioning, that cr- that silk chrysanthemum, <laughs> like Japanese chrysanthemum yeah. design is so gorgeous. It really is. Really stark black and white. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's I feel like there's something there. You know, we talked about the kind of grays and muted color scheme, but and she's wearing all white at the beginning and mm-hmm. all and and then she's wearing this stark black and white at the end, like this is this is a black and white issue or this is huh. and I think I don't know, I feel like there might be some symbolism there. Clearly it's not a black and white issue, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I wonder if there's something there. Maybe I'm reading way too much into this, but if I were designing costumes for this show, I would go there. That's where I would go. I just want that chrysanthemum coat. (laughs) (laughs) I want the costume exhibition to come to the U.S. I know. When is it going to? I don't know. If it comes to like New York, we're going. I'm on the plane. I've already told. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's not even a question. I'm wondering if it would come to like Vancouver or something. If That'd Canada would get yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you know, Canada's part of the British Dominion. Mm-hmm. Let's let's. Do I it. could see that cutting through some red tape more easily. You know, it's, Vancouver's a lot closer to Australia than New York is. Let's That's just true. Come, come to Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have poked a lot of holes in this one. Is there anything else? redeeming i am through my notes here me too i this is such a bummer and it's so rare i love these i love every episode or so i thought yeah and it's so it wasn't until i got about five minutes into raisins and almonds that i realized why i don't like death at victoria dock and it's because there's just no levity yeah like it's just not fun yeah and i think i really need that banter between jack and franny yeah and you know I don't know. This is random. This is off topic a bit, but I I go to a Italian immersion class once a week to stay in practice. And right now we're reading all about like immigrant socialist and anarchist strikes. Oh, happening in the teens and twenties. And I'm like, and so like this, it's you know, it's relevant, I guess. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like I've had enough with the struggles of the proletariat for right now. But you know what? (laughs) This is why the entire series exists because Carrie Greenwood was researching. The, oh, um, the immigrant strikes? Or? The strikes at the docks. Interesting. And I think her father was involved to some degree. I can't remember. So she had done a lot of research about these um, dock strikes mm. and decided that she wanted to write a book series and mm. then got the idea to have like a female detective. So wow. yeah, this is sort of the basis for the yeah. entire series. And it was a major social undercurrent yeah. at the time. It was a big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just, I need that in small doses. Yep. I call me I shallow, it. but man, maybe that's why it just didn't catch on that well overall. Like didn't stand the test of time with the general public. Because, it's just too depressing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really depressing. <laughs> so I don't know what they would drink. It'd be something probably fairly bitter. Mm-hmm. So let's have a bitter, very serious toast. <laughs> To the proletariat. A grim toast to the proletariat. Rise of the workers of the world. To the proletariat. Cheers, folks.
never does any questioning of like the ugly Latvians. <laughs> like she doesn't have a drink with the ugly Latvians in the bar. <laughs> Poor ugly Latvians. Poor ugly Latvians. <laughs> they just can't get ahead in this world.